Bible, go to Acts chapter 2. We are closing out this series. They devoted themselves this morning um, by really kind of stepping back and taking a, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a bird's eye view, but a, a kind of the, the rest of the story maybe as, um, as Paul Harvey liked to say. Right, so we're going to look at, we'll be in Acts 2, and then uh, primarily we'll, we'll look at uh, Acts 17 and a few passages through there. Um, so the, the story's told that as the British troops were leaving after being defeated in the American Revolution, they sang an old British ballad called The World Turned Upside Down. Now, if you have seen uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical Hamilton, this is portrayed pretty well uh, at, in, uh, after the Battle of Yorktown there. Um, but interestingly enough, this, this ballad, The World Turned Upside Down, was originally written in the 1640s as a, parla- uh, as a protest against Parliament for their rules about celebrating Christmas. We're getting a little close to home here, aren't we? People issuing rules, of, the government issuing rules about holidays and whatnot. But apparently, in, 16, in, in the, the 1640s, Parliament felt that Christmas should be a solemn occasion, and they outlawed traditional Christmas celebrations. So, uh, in protest, this song, The World Turned Upside Down, was written in one of the verses goes like this. Listen to this. Command is given, we must obey, and quite forget old Christmas Day. Kill a thousand men or a town regain, and we will give thanks and praise amain. The wine pot shall clink, we will feast and drink, and then strange motions will abound. Yet let's be content, and the times lament, you see the world turned upside down. Now, as I said, the, the story goes, and maybe it's folklore, but, but the story goes that as the British troops left they, in defeat, they sang this. And you can understand that for the global superpower that was Britain in the, 17, in the late 1700s, to be defeated by what was really a ragtag group of colonies on the other side of the sea, it really probably did feel like the world had turned upside down. Now, in 2020, maybe you can identify with that feeling a little bit, that the world has completely turned upside down. We've seen uh, most everything that we know disrupted in some fashion or another. And even now, as we enter the the Thanksgiving uh, and Christmas seasons, we we know that this is going to be, uh, for many of us, a very different holiday season than what we are used to. And so we might identify with this feeling that the world's turned upside down. In Acts chapter 17, believe it or not, we see these same words. In Acts chapter 17, we see this verse about the followers of Christ. And it says this, The men who turned the world upside down have come here too. The early believers, the early followers of Christ were accused of turning the world upside down. How did they do it? Well, this morning we're going to take a look at that as we close out our time in this series 
they devoted themselves in Acts chapter 2. So for the last time, let's stand and let's read together Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. We're going to read one more time about these folks who turned the world upside down in the first century. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to open up your word and to look at the impact that the first believers had through their faith in you. We pray that you would speak to us this morning. Pray that you would move mightily here among us. Show us what it means to be people who turn the world upside down, even 2,000 years later. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Now, what was it about these people that caused them to, to, as they were accused of, turn the world upside down? Now, we've, we've spent a few weeks looking at the activities of the local church, and the thing that you may have noticed is that none of it seems really extraordinary, right? I mean, when we look at this passage and and how the early believers conducted themselves, what we see is that they met together, they ate together, they took care of one another, they prayed together, they worshiped together, and they told other people about Jesus. Now, If we're honest, this seems a bit, I don't know, mundane, right? Don't don't we, as people, tend to look for something more exciting? Don't don't we want to experience things like we saw in Acts 16 with the shaking of the prison doors rather than a Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting? But what we see throughout the Gospels and throughout the book of Acts is that God works mightily through the mundane. Because if I'm, if I'm going to be honest with you, as, as, as I look back at, at my just over 30 years as a follower of Christ, do you, do you know the, the, the times of spiritual growth? Like, so we can all look back and, and see maybe those, maybe the, kind of what we'd refer to as the, as the mountaintop experiences. Those emotional highs, but, but, but do you know that, that when I look at my own life, rarely is it those times that I go, man, I grew so much during those times. We grow, we're shaped into the image of Christ in the everyday time spent in prayer and spent in the Word. So it's not those emotional highs that are the bedrock of, of shaping us into the image of Christ. It's day by day, the, the habits that we develop that keep us in the Word and in fellowship with the Father. And yet, as I said, God works 
mightily through even the mundane. Which is good news because here's our big idea for the morning. God uses ordinary people to accomplish the extraordinary in the kingdom of God. God uses ordinary people and he takes the ordinary and uses them to accomplish the extraordinary. So you know what that means? That means you and I don't have to be extraordinary. Which I don't know about you, that's good news. Because if if I'm relying on my own gifts and abilities and my own strength to get me through, that's not going to go very far. But when God can take the ordinary and accomplish the extraordinary, that's how fishermen and tax collectors turned the world upside down. So the question before us is simply this. How can everyday, ordinary people turn the world upside down for the kingdom of God? To answer that, we're going to take a look at a few passages throughout the book of Acts. And I'll have these, uh, these verses on the screen so you don't have to flip all through there. They are in, uh, but believe it or not, they are in uh, numerical order. So if you want to follow through, you're not going to have to flip back and forth. You can, you can just follow us. The, the first one is, is this. People who turn the world upside down spend time with Jesus. Now, now again, this might seem obvious, but sometimes I think we as people, we as followers of Christ, need to be reminded of the obvious things. Because maybe like the Israelites, we have short memories about what God has done in our lives. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested. At the beginning of that, that, ver- of that chapter, they're arrested for preaching. And they're, they, they, as they're brought to the Jewish leadership, they, they, they keep preaching. Peter keeps proclaiming boldly, we see in, in verse 8, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He begins preaching. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we read this. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed, and look at this last part, and recognized that they had been with Jesus. What a fantastic statement. They, they looked at Peter and John and knew that these guys, keep in mind, these guys were fishermen. They were known in Jerusalem at this point. They were known as men that had followed Jesus. And so as as Peter and and John are proclaiming the gospel, the religious leaders are amazed because they look at them and they say, these guys did not go to school. These guys don't have the master's degrees in theology that we have and yet listen to the way that they proclaim. What on earth is causing these nobodies to make such an impact with this message about this guy, Jesus. Well, it must be that they spent time with Jesus. Can can I tell you this morning that all the degrees in the world are no substitute for spending time with Jesus? All the the time, spending spending time serving in, in, in ministries, that's great. It's no substitute for spending time with Jesus. Even 
Even memorizing Scripture. Now, now hear, hear me out here. Even having a treasure trove of Scripture that you've memorized, you can quote anything on, at the drop of a hat. That's no substitute for spending time with Jesus. For Peter and John, the thing that set them apart, the thing that, that caused the, the religious leaders to be in awe when they heard these men speak was that they had been with Jesus. I'm, when, when, I, when I look at that, I realize there is no substitute for spending time with the Savior. And if we want to be people who turn the world upside down, or, or let's, let's even zero it in. If we want to be people who turn our families upside down, turn Alamogordo upside down, it's going to happen because we're people who spend time with Jesus. But that leads to something else. The second thing that we see is is this. People who turn the world upside down are obedient to Jesus. We see this in Acts chapter 16, verses 7 through 10. This is Paul and his companions, and and they have a decision to make. It says, when they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, he immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see what's happening here? Paul wants to go somewhere, and the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of Jesus, did not allow them. We don't know exactly what that meant. We don't know if that, that meant they were, you know, maybe, maybe they had uh, something supernatural that was stopping them. Maybe, maybe, maybe things just became apparent that the Lord was not opening a door there. We're not exactly sure what that looks like. But, but the fact is that, that Peter want, or Paul wanted to go one place and the Spirit of God directed him to another. People who turn the world upside down are obedient to Jesus. So here's the question for you. Are, how willing are you to change plans when God speaks? Are you open to the movement of the Holy Spirit? Are, are you open to the, the Holy Spirit speaking to you in the middle of Walmart and saying, hey, there's somebody I need you to go talk to? Maybe six feet apart with a mask on right now, right? <laughs> or, or, or do sometimes we get so focused on what's been called the tyranny of the urgent that we miss opportunities for the Lord to speak and for us to be obedient to Him? Now, we know from the, the stories throughout the New Testament that um, Paul tended to be a little stubborn. And so this is probably not a small thing that he was willing to say, okay, we're not going here anymore. Now we're going to go, to, we're, we're, we're going to go over here because I sense the Lord leading us. It, sometimes isn't it, so, isn't it so easy for us to say, no, no, this is, this is my job. This is my neighborhood. I'm not leaving this. I'm comfortable. We must be people who are obedient flexible to the calling of the Lord. 
And actually, them following this, what we know as the Macedonian call, this, this dream with a man standing cross, and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. This is how Paul and Luke and, the, and their companions wind up in Thessalonica where they are accused of turning the world upside down. So because they were faithful to the Lord, they make a great impact in Thessalonica, even to the point that once again they're arrested because they are disrupting life. And here what we, here's what we see in Acts 17. People who turn the world upside down proclaim the gospel boldly. In Acts 17, Paul and his companions arrive in Thessalonica. And Paul begins preaching. Verse 3 says, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks as well as a number of leading women. Look at verse 5. But the Jews became jealous and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Attacking Jason's house, they searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too, and Jason has welcomed them. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The crowd and city officials who heard these things were upset. After taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. Now here's Paul's message. It's this simple. Jesus is Lord. Now, now you have to understand in first century Roman culture, the Romans had a declaration. And that was, Caesar is Lord. So suddenly Paul and Luke and others arrive proclaiming the gospel message that God sent His only Son, Jesus, to the earth to forgive our sins, to reconcile us to God. And now Jesus is Lord and there is no other. Simple, th three simple words, Jesus is Lord, that would have been considered treason in the Roman Empire. Turning the world upside down because they're saying that there is another king, Jesus. They escape this arrest in, or they're released from, from this arrest in Thessalonica. They travel on to Berea and find the Bereans who are searching the scriptures. Paul later makes his way to Athens and in, in verse 17 comes across a, a group of men whom we're told um, 
that spends nothing or spent, spent their days on nothing except telling and hearing something new. They just like to hear new ideas. So Paul approaches them and says, basically, you, you enjoy hearing uh, about all these religious viewpoints and stuff. You enjoy hearing something new. Let me tell you something brand new. And shares with them the message of the gospel. People who turn the world upside down proclaim the gospel boldly. Now look at the response in verse 32. It says, When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear you again about this. Paul proclaimed the truth of the gospel regardless of what that cost him. Eventually that leads him to prison. Eventually he's under house arrest in Rome, still proclaiming the truth of the gospel. These men turned, men and women, make clear of that. We see that in Acts 16 with Lydia and the slave girl and, and the women who travel with Paul. We see these believers turn the world upside down. But did they really? Did they really turn the world upside down? Late this week, as I was kind of finishing up studying for this, I thought I had everything wrapped up. And just for fun, I, I read a sermon by Charles Spurgeon. I, he's one of my favorite preachers. I, and I love, uh, the, as I get just a little bit older, I, I enjoy reading dead people. Um, mostly because you don't have to worry, for, for the most part, you don't have to worry about them, you know, about dead people um, having a moral blunder and blowing up their ministry. Um, the, especially somebody like Spurgeon, the book's been written on him for uh, well over 100 years. But I also just love to hear how messages that were preached 140, 150 years ago continue to be relevant. So I was reading a um, sermon from Charles Spurgeon on Acts 17.6, the men who turned the world upside down. And, and I came across this, and it stopped me in my tracks. Because I, I, I thought, man, if, if we needed anything, if we needed encouragement right now in 2020, man, this is it. Listen to this. They said the apostles turned the world upside down. They meant by that that they were disturbers of the peace. But they said a great true thing, for Christ's gospel does turn the world upside down. It was the wrong way upwards before, and now that the gospel is preached, and when it shall prevail, it will just set the world right by turning it upside down. See, these men, were, these men and women were accused of turning the world upside down, and yet... What they were trying to do, what we as believers are trying to do, is not turn the world upside down, but set the world right side up again. Man, l listen to me. This year especially, I, I, I'm not sure you'd meet anybody who wouldn't say that in some way or another, things have been turned upside down this year. Now, as believers... We know that in this world, nothing has been set right since Genesis chapter 3. Things have been fractured. Sometimes we experience that 
fracturing a little more explicitly than at others. I, I dare say, I'm not 100% confident in this at the moment, but I'm, I'm willing to step out and say, I don't think we're going to be under these restrictions and, and locked down and, and have to wear masks and stay six feet apart. I don't think that that's going to be how things are forever. If you look back through history, we've done this before. I think part of it, our, our, the comfort level that we're used to and the technology that we have made us assume that we were past this. Um, but you look at 1918, pe- people came out of that. I, I don't think we're going to be like this forever. But as we look back at 2020, this year will be a stark reminder of the brokenness of the world. That we live in a world where a microscopic virus can upend everything in life. And as, as strong as we like to think we are, little microscopic bacteria can create major issues with us. The world is upside down. So let us be, as followers of Christ, people who are turning what is upside down, upside down. Seeking to be people that set things right. Not in our own power, but through the power of the gospel. What an accusation that it could be made of God's people in the 21st century. They're turning the world upside down. I wonder this morning who comes to mind when you think of someone whose life is upended. If you think of someone whose whose life is completely upside down, I I wonder who that is. That God has placed in your circle of influence. And how he might be calling you to go and turn their world upside down with the message of hope. You know, I, I'm, my, my love of all things uh, Christmas is well documented. And even this year, as, as we celebrate what's going to be um, most likely a Christmas that none of us forget, and, and probably a very different Christmas than we're used to, could it be that we just might have more people searching for real peace, hope, joy, love. Might, might be looking for one whom it's promised that the government will be upon his shoulders. Could it be that the folks will be hungry for a Savior? Folks, we have the news. We have the opportunity to make eternal impacts in the lives of those around us. In the lives of people who are scared, who are hurting. The lives of people whose lives have been turned upside down. In December, we're going to spend three Wednesday nights 
going through a training, an evangelism training called The Best News. It's a simple, uh, Dr. James Merritt, pastor out of Georgia, put this program together. It's very simple. Not, no big gospel presentation to memorize, just telling people about the best news that we have. That a Savior has come. If, if we can meet in person, we're going to do that. I'm, I'm looking into some ways that we can live stream if you're not able to make it. Uh, I'm looking into some ways that we can do that. In the event that for some reason um, houses of worship are no longer able to meet, um, we'll, we'll do a live stream of this. But either way, we're going to learn how to share the best news. Hope you'll make plans to join us. Maybe you're here in the room, maybe you're watching us online, and, and you would say, you know what, I think my life is upside down right now. I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize my sin has separated me from Almighty God. And I want to make that right. Friend, you can do that this morning by simply praying this. God, I'm a sinner and I want to be forgiven. I believe Jesus Christ, your son, died for my sins and is alive right now. I turn away from my sin and now confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and receive him into my life. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to control my life. And I thank you for giving me eternal life. How can you go about setting the lives and the world of those around you upright, turning their world upside down. You know, it just so happens is, as we have stay-at-home orders, uh, shelter-in-place orders, you, you might have a chance to meet neighbors that you haven't met in a long time. Maybe you're going to find more people home in your neighborhood. Maybe you need to check in on somebody that you haven't spoken to in a while. See how you can pray for them, see how you can serve them. Folks, let's be those who are seeking to turn the world upside down. Or, as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, that we might be ambassadors for Christ. Seeking to reconcile the world to Almighty God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the chance to gather. I thank you for this great passage that you've given us in Acts. As we see how the the early believers went about their business. It wasn't always glamorous, but because they trusted you, because they believed in the message of the gospel, they loved one another well. They served one another. They proclaimed the truth of the gospel boldly. I pray we'd be people that follow their examples. Help us do that, especially in these next six weeks as we close out this year. May we be people who boldly proclaim the hope that we have in the gospel. Tell others how you've turned our world upside down and we, can, we know you do the same for men, women, children every single day all across the globe. Give us strength to do that. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.